What do you do to help yourself remember? Do you use like reminders of some kind to keep track of everything? Maybe you're like a post-it note person and you just put post-it notes all over the house with things that you have to keep front of mind. Uh, maybe you're a bullet journal person where you're constantly writing things down. Uh, maybe you use an app on your phone and you just got all your reminders listed and they're just going off throughout the day helping you remember all the things you need to keep track of. Or maybe you're just one of those people that has a steel trap of a mind and you just have it all in there. You remember everything. It's just all floating around in your brain. Uh, well, for me, I, I use everything. I need so much help remembering things. And so I have notebooks where I'm constantly writing down lists of things. And my phone is always pinging and going off with, oh yeah, I got to do that. And oh, I got to keep track of that. Uh, and that's because I think we all know the feeling of you get to the end of your day or you get to the end of your work week and you think, I crushed it. I killed it. I did everything I needed to do. And you're about to walk out the door and you go, oh wait, except for these three things that I still have to do right now. Well, uh, all of us know the feeling of having forgotten something. Uh, so for myself, there's times where I climb into bed, I'm under the covers, I'm reading my book, and then I go, oh, I forgot to set the bins out. Oh, I gotta get up, I gotta get dressed, I gotta go drag the garbage bin and the recycling bin out to the curb. Uh, or uh, there's times where I've been home and uh, I'm relaxing. I'm like, everything is taken care of. And then I hear my wife walk in the door and I go, oh, I forgot to take the meat out of the freezer. Oh, I was supposed to do that hours ago. Or I'll be dropping my kids off at school. And then as they're like walking away, I go, I never checked. Did they do their homework? Do they have everything that they need for today? I completely forgot. Or sometimes I'm sitting down for a big meeting and then I go, oh, was that task due today? Oh, oh, we're presenting that big project today, right now. Oh, okay, all right, I, I didn't forget at all. No, no, no. Well, uh, sometimes even just going over those things, it can just make my stomach start to feel a little bit queasy. I don't know about you, but uh, part of why we come together on Sunday is to remember that there are things that are important for us to remind ourselves of, things that we want to keep front of mind, things that we want to make sure that we don't forget. We got to remember who God is. We want to remember what God has done in our lives. And so we come together as a reminder because it's so easy for us to forget what's true. It's so easy for us to forget what's truly important, the true riches of life. We're good at forgetting, and sometimes those things just kind of seem to slip away. How many of us can struggle at times with being so caught up in the here and now that we forget to think about those eternal things, those things that stretch into forever, how many of us at times we find ourselves so caught up in the things that we want to see God do in our life, in our world, in our future, that we forget about all the things that God has already done for us and provided for us. And so we want to be people who are good 
at remembering. People who don't forget what's important. So we're gonna look at, at this today in a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter two. And if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to join me there. Maybe you got a, an app on your phone. Maybe you got a browser that you can go to. But we're gonna look together at Ephesians chapter two. We're gonna look at what is it that we're to remember? What is it that we're to not forget? Ephesians chapter two. While you're turning there, uh, Ephesians chapter two was written by the apostle Paul, who's one of the first century Christian leaders in the church. And it's written to a wealthy port city, the city of Ephesus, to a church that was there. And it was in the Roman province of Asia. Ephesians chapter two, that's what we're taking a look at today. We're gonna start in verse 11. And this is what Paul writes to the church. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Paul tells them, don't forget don't forget. And in this Christian life, there are things that we are called to forget. And Pastor Todd talked about this last Sunday, how we are to forget our guilt and our shame. We're to forget condemnation. Paul himself, he writes to the Philippian church and says, pressing on, forgetting the things that are in the past, pressing on for what God has for us ahead. And so there are things that we are called to forget about, to leave behind as we continue to follow Jesus. But then there are other things that we're called to not forget. Like we see here, Paul is telling the church that they're to not forget that they were outsiders. Every generation is to not forget the miracles that God has done. That we wanna bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. And so there's a tension in our faith between the things that we are to forget, we're to release, we're to move on from, and we're to continue going forward, but there are other things that we need to hold on to, to not forget. And it's interesting here that Paul is telling these Gentiles in the church in Ephesus that they're to not forget that they were once outsiders, and all of us here today, all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to him, if you're a Christian, all of us were once outsiders. And so why would we, like the church in Ephesus, why would it be important for us to not forget that we were once on the outside looking in? 
Well, when we remember that we were once outsiders, it creates gratitude in our heart as we look back and we see what God has done in our life. And so we're filled with a thankfulness and a gratitude that God, you changed my life. Once I was an outsider, once I was excluded, once I didn't know about the covenant promises, once I was without God and I was without hope, but now that's not the case. And God, I'm so grateful to you. I'm so thankful for what you have done. We don't take it for granted. We want to remember that we were once on the outside so that we'll have a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude to God. When we don't take it for granted that we were, of course, well, I was once an outsider, but now, but when we really consider and remember that we were once lost, but now have been found, well, then it creates compassion and empathy inside of us for those who are currently on the outside for those who are currently without God and without hope. Because I remember what it was like to be lost. I remember what it was like to be excluded, to be on the outside. And so when I see people who are living that way, who don't know the truth, who have not heard and believed the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, I can have compassion and empathy for them because I remember what that was once like. I've not taken it for granted. If we remember that when we were once outsiders, it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith to say, wow, God, look at what you did in my life. You've brought me here. God, if you've brought me this far, God, if you could do it for me in my life, then I believe that you could do it for them. God, if you could save me, then you can save them. If you saved me then, you'll save them now. And so it strengthens our faith. And also to say, God, if you brought me this far, then I can trust that you're not gonna abandon me. You're not gonna leave me here. This isn't all you have for me. And so I can trust you with my future. I can trust you with what's ahead because I remember where I was and I see where I am now. And it strengthens our faith if we will remember that we were once outsiders. And so consider for yourself, what does that look like in your life? Do you remember when you were an outsider? Do you remember when you were far from God, when you weren't walking with God? Do you remember what your life was like when you were excluded from citizenship in heaven? Do you remember what it was like to be without God and without hope? We want to be those who don't forget what that was like. We want to remember. And then Paul says, but now. But now everything has changed for us. Do we see that in our life? When we remember how things were and we look at what God has done, we see everything has changed. Everything is different in our life. But now we are united in Christ. But now we're united 
in Christ. And, and Paul is writing this to us. And we think of it for us just as individuals, and it's true that I have been united with Christ, you have been united with Christ. But Paul is also writing to a church, to a body, to a group of people in Ephesus that they have been united in Christ. And throughout Ephesians chapter two, and we see it throughout the New Testament that there are racial tensions and there's the Jews and there's the Gentiles and they're struggling to figure out what this all means that now we have been united in Christ. And we can see it for ourselves that all of us, all of us have been united together. And so we can look around this room and we can see all of the differences between you and I, all of the beauty of the group of people that we have here, that we have been brought together, that we have been united together in Christ, and that we have been brought near to God by the blood, that we have been brought near, that we have been swept up in a current of grace, that we have been repositioned by the blood, that we were not able to bring ourselves near, but that the blood has repositioned us, has brought us near to God. It's like that you were at a party and you didn't have an invitation, you were stuck on the outside and then the blood came and grabbed you by the hand and dragged you inside and introduced you to everybody. You're not an outsider anymore. You have been brought near by the blood. You've been repositioned by the blood. And so this brings us to our big idea about how the blood of Jesus brings us near to God. The blood of Jesus brings us near to God. Now, all of us here are going to have an inadequate view of who God is. But consider for a moment a pre existent God with no beginning and no end, a God who created the universe. A God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, a vast, unimaginable God, a holy God, a righteous God, an unapproachable God. And yet somehow, then we consider you and I, in all our faults, in all our failings, as we are hyper-aware of our weaknesses and our deficiencies, and yet you and I, we have been brought near to this incredible, awesome God. Not because of anything that we were able to do for ourselves, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ has brought us near. And this is where we find ourselves now, in this place of closeness, in this place of intimacy, with this incredible God because of the blood of Jesus. The blood changes everything for us. The blood changes how we see ourselves. 
Now that the blood has brought us near to God, the blood changes how we see ourselves, how we view ourselves. You can no longer see yourself as an outsider because you have been brought near to God. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. We can't see ourselves as being excluded, being on the outside any longer because we are in Christ. We are loved. We are in Jesus. We've been brought near. And so it changes how we see ourselves, how we view ourselves changes because of the blood. And the blood changes how we see others. Do we see anybody as a potential brother and sister in Christ? Because we look at ourselves and we see it wasn't what we did for ourselves. It was that Jesus' blood, his death, his sacrifice has now brought us near to God. When we put our faith, our trust in him, we're brought near. And now do we believe that anyone can now be a potential brother and sister in Christ? Now before the cross, the disciples did not believe that to be the case. The disciples did not believe that the Gentiles were potential brothers and sisters in faith. In fact, when a Gentile woman came to Jesus, and she was, it's in Matthew chapter 15, a Gentile woman comes to Jesus and she's begging Jesus to heal her daughter. She's begging him. Her daughter is oppressed And here is this woman begging for healing for her daughter. The disciples see her because she's a Gentile woman as an outsider. They see her as excluded from the kingdom of heaven. They see her as far from God. They see her as without God and without hope. And so their response is to say, Jesus This woman is bothering us with her begging. Send her away. She's begging for healing for her daughter. And yet their response to her is, she's really bothering us. Get her out of here, Jesus. They reject this woman. They don't see her as a potential sister in faith. Jesus does not reject the woman, and Jesus heals her daughter. But this is before the cross, how the Jews who saw themselves as the insiders saw the Gentiles as the outsiders. But now, because of the cross, anyone is a potential brother or sister in Christ, that the blood can reposition anyone that anyone could be brought near to God because of the blood of Jesus. But what about, what about the, the enemies of faith? And what about those people who are just dead set against what we believe and how we think and what we want to see in the world? Because in the first century, there was Saul of Tarsus 
who was dead set against the Christians, who was holding people's coats and watching as they were stoning Stephen, one of the leaders in the early church, who was trying to gather up and stop Christians. And yet Jesus came and encountered him and changed his life and showed him his need that he thought he was an insider. But really, it's only by the blood of Jesus that now he was brought near to God. And his life was changed. And he became the Apostle Paul, who then became the Apostle to the Gentiles and is writing this letter to the Ephesian church. And so he understands that in the Christian life that there are things to forget and to move on from and to let go of and that there are things that we are to not forget about what God has done inside of us. And so do we see even our enemies as potential brothers and sisters in Christ? Consider Jesus as he is being crucified. He is nailed to the cross. He has a crown of thorns that has been wedged onto his head. He has been whipped Jesus is actively bleeding. He is a mess hanging on the cross, shedding his blood. And he is an innocent man who's being crucified. And beside him is a guilty man who is being crucified. He was judged and justly found that he needed to die for what he had done. And he's beside Jesus being crucified And yet Jesus sees him as someone that he wants to come into his kingdom. That even as Jesus is dying on the cross, he's saving the man beside him. Do we see anyone as a potential brother or sister in Christ? It's the blood that has brought us near. The blood of Jesus brings us near to God. It changes how we see ourselves and it changes how we see everyone through the filter of his blood. But now everything has changed. And from this place of nearness, from this place of intimacy, what are the benefits that we receive from this closeness that we have because the blood of Jesus has brought us near. What is it that are the benefits? And there's so many that we could go go over and that I could list off, but the one that I really feel that God has put on my heart to share with us today is that when we are brought near to God by his blood, when we are united together in Christ that we have a confidence that comes from a closeness to God. That we have a confidence that from this place of nearness, now we are confident to continue to lean in, to draw near to God. 
And then as we continue to draw near, our confidence grows. And as our confidence grows, we continue to draw nearer and nearer to God from this place that we have been brought to. And so I want to share with you four verses from the book of Hebrews that just talk about this idea of the confidence that we now have as we have been brought near and as we continue to draw near. And so because the blood has brought me near to God, I now have a confident hope. We have a confident hope. Hebrews chapter 7. Let's take a look at it here. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 19. It says, For the law never made anything perfect, but now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. I have a confident hope. Because I've been brought to this place of nearness, I can now see who God is and what God has done. I see what God has done inside of me. And so I have a confident hope, a hope that things are going to get better. That whatever today is, I believe that tomorrow is going to be better because I have a confident hope in who my God is and what he has done. It's not a wishy-washy hope. It's a confident hope. No matter circumstances or situations or what's going on in the world, I can have a confidence in this place of nearness of seeing who God is. And it makes me confident, confident to believe for tomorrow. Now, there are a lot of concerning things that I can look at in the world, in my life, in my family, there's a lot of potential worries that I might have or frustrations that I might face or discouragement that we might battle against. But because I'm in this place of nearness, because you're in this place of nearness, because of the blood of Jesus, even in the midst of all of our frustrations and our concerns and our discouragements and our worries, we can yet have a confident hope that I can have confidence that the God who gave me children is going to watch over my children for their entire life. I can have confidence that the God who holds the heart of the king in his hand can be trusted with the nations. I can trust him with all of my tomorrows. I can have a confident hope and continue to draw near to God. Because I've been brought near to God, I have a confident salvation. I am confident that my God has saved me, is saving me, and will save me. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. It says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Because I've been brought near to God, I have a confident identity. I know who my God is, but I also know who I am in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I have a confident identity I know that I have been washed clean. I have a clean conscience because of what Jesus Christ has done. I know who I am. 
Because I've been brought near to God, I have a confident faith. I know who my God is because I'm in this place of nearness to him and I'm drawing near. And because I've been brought near to God, I I know I have confidence that my God will help me. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says, then let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I have a confident hope. I'm confident that I am saved, that I'm a child of God. I don't wake up in the morning and go, am I still a Christian? Am I still saved? Just like my children don't wake up and say, is my dad still my dad? They have confidence that they are part of our family. And we have confidence in our identity in Christ. We've been washed clean. Our conscience has been made clean because of Jesus. I have confident faith, full assurance of faith. And I want us to consider this as a church, as a body together. Eastside City Church. We are a confident people. We have hope for tomorrow. We have full assurance of faith. We know who we are. We are those who have been washed by the blood of Jesus. Our hearts and our bodies have been made clean. We are saved to the uttermost. We know who our God is. And with confidence, we draw near to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. We have been brought near. The blood of Jesus brings us near to God. And from this place of confidence, we remember. We remember what it was like to be on the outside. We remember it wasn't always this way for us. We remember it's only by the blood, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that now we have been repositioned.